Welcome to this special episode of the More Bikes podcast. Today we would like to present you an exclusive interview with the genius engineer Alan Milliard. Milliard is behind some of the wackiest bike creations, including his award-winning Flying Milliard. The Flying Milliard is powered by a gigantic 5-litre V-twin engine designed for an aeroplane. It resembles a two-wheeled Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and it was magically created in his modest suburban garage in Berkshire. Over his lifetime he has built more than 30 multi-cylinder machines, and he's still going today. The following was an exclusive interview which took place at the Carol Nash Motorcycle Mechanics Show at the Stafford County Showground. Resident Compare and Racing star Steve Plater conducted the interview. Right, good morning ladies and gents, thanks for being patient. We've got quite a busy day today actually, a few differing guests, uh, but first of all, I'd like you to put your hands together and welcome on stage one of our very special guests, Alan Milliard. <laughs> right, Alan. Now, obviously we've known each other for, for quite, a, quite, quite, a, quite some time now. You're kind of always around and about various shows over at the Classic TT with a lot of your creations. Um, but first of all, how did it all start? You know, what, what, what kind of industry and where, what do you come from? It all starts a long, long, long time back when I was about 12. I had a rally runabout. I wasn't allowed to have a motorbike, but I had one anyway. And the engine went wrong. But the lawnmower had a good engine. So I thought, put the lawnmower engine in the rally runabout. And it was so fast, it used to burn all my friends the rally runabouts off and it's on the C100s. And it all sort of went from there. So I had this, not, not having much money when I was young, to pay for rounds, so you had to improvise, make do and mend in your garage with what tools you had. You didn't just ring up someone and say, can you make me this? You did it yourself. It all stemmed from there, really. And, you know, was your father a motorcycling man? What kind of background did yeah, you Yeah, he was a design engineer making cranes. British Hoiston Crane he worked for, company. He had a Valisair when he was younger. But he crashed it really badly and ground half his knee away on the cat's eyes. So he didn't want me to have a motorbike for that reason, but I think I just had to have one, so... <laughs> so leaving leaving school, what industry did you go into? Well, basically, before I left school, I was metal work was all I wanted to do. Metal work, all day. It's basically back in the 70s, if you didn't like maths, you just created long enough, you could do what you like. I did metal work basically all day. In fact, I used to go in lunch breaks, dinner breaks, after school, before school, just doing metal work. I was really hooked on it. So then I got an apprenticeship with the MOD basically when I was 16. And they give you a really good training. And I outturned as an instrument maker, making mechanisms and gears and things like brass. So it's really good. But when I was 15, I put a car engine in a BSA Bantam. An 850 Mini Cooper. A Mini Cooper, twin carbon. I mean, that's really valuable now. I'm just laying in a hedge. And I, and I cut a bantam in half and bolted it in. And I used to ride it around the school. And then I got caught by the police. Two endorsements on my license when I was 14, 15. So when I got my new license at 16, I had to be really careful. So, um, yeah, that's back in the sticks when we used to live down in Berkshire. Not Berkshire. I don't believe from Berkshire you're very poor. It's a pocky area. It is posh, but, you know. It is now, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, moving moving on, uh, you've created, we were chatting last night and, and this morning, you said you, you've pretty much made 50 machines now. I've actually done a tot-up, yeah, it's 49 bikes since 1996. And some of them are lost on as well. 1,004 Kawasaki, I've made 12 of them. Uh, uh, and why? 
you know, why, just, why not just go out? I mean, there's so many fabulous machines around there you can just go and buy from any retail outlet. It all started in 96. I had a one-year-old VFR 750FK in red, white wheels. Absolutely gorgeous bike, but it's so boring. You just put petrol in it, change the tyres every couple of months, and maybe some brake pads, and that was it. It was really fast, it handled, it stopped, didn't use any oil. So I sold that and bought a KH500 for 500 pounds and then I'm looking at it when I took it apart so I'll make this into a five cylinder and then I did put but I was too I didn't want to risk cutting up my KH500 so I bought an old S1B 250 for about 50 pounds and cut that up and did the conversion on that first and then literally a month later did the, did the 500 as well now there are so many different creations you've made uh, or, or should I say adapted or, or put your laid your hands on an, an engineered from a standard machine but you know obviously the, the, the flying milliard obviously I'm very well aware of that being, being a passenger on it around Jerby uh, Jerby circuit and you're a very good passenger hey, no thank you thank you <laughs> I have my eyes closed no no seriously that was great but you know something like that where, where do those ideas come from is it purely yourself it is well, I'll get this inspiration I was at Salon Privé which is like a posh concours and the elegance event, Scion House in London in 2012 with my SS100V twin, and I won an award. And when you got to get your award, the judges say to you, Thank you well done, congratulations, are we going to see you next year with a different machine? And I just literally said, I'll make the biggest V twin in the UK, just, just without even thinking about it. So I went straight home on eBay looking for big cylinders, and these Pratt Whitney cylinders popped up from James Hewing from the National Motorcycle Museum and we yeah. did a deal on them and I picked them up and within three months the engine was running and then another six months the bike was finished and I went back to Salon Privé and won best in show best motorcycle in show the following year for me that's probably the most amazing thing is how fast you seem to turn everything around yeah if I'm on a mission like with the Bella set that was eight weeks because I was on so I'm doing some work other work now and I had to fit, fit it in with the time so I thought, right, I've got a couple of months, let's get this bike knocked out. So it's all hands on deck, all on my own. The only thing, my friend Neil Howarth does all the painting for me, he paints all my bikes. Yeah. His bikes are one at Pebble Beach in America and cars, and he's a okay. top-notch painter. He puts it on really well, the paint. So, so I just sort of knew that Neil was going to take six weeks to paint it. So the whole bike in total was about 12 weeks. So of course, you must have a massive workshop at home for all these bikes and all, all these engineering uh, machines and capabilities. It's the biggest misconception. You need to have a, you have to have every single tool from the Sealy catalogue and a big garage. You, you, you just need a few spanners, literally, just a few, some hard files and hacksaws, a nice lathe, like an old uh, Colchester lathe, a milling machine, and take a welder. And that all fits in an eight foot by eight foot square area, if, you, if you're organized. That's all you need. And you can do everything at home except cast. And is that what you have? That's what I've got. That's not right. It's not. There's no excuses for anybody here, including myself. I, I actually, back in 1999, I built engines here on the stand. I built an SS100 V twin engine, which I've got around there. Started it up on the Sunday. I built a 1300 Kawasaki 5, a 1004 Kawasaki, and a 4155 in three years in a row on the stand with nothing more than hacksaws and files. I get to meet various characters and, and special people doing the, the, the work that I do now since, since I, you know, I've kind of stopped uh, racing motorbikes. But, and everybody's very different, including, you know, uh, Henry Cole. He's, you know, he, he's very different. Yeah. Obviously, he's got a massive history. He's been on yeah. 
more planets in his time than Star Trek, but, which is all he's very open about. Yeah, you know, uh, and a great guy, but uh, kind of a comes from a very wealthy background, but but loves the two wheel scene, you know, uh, and puts a lot of it obviously into practice and, and makes money from it. Yeah, it's good. I, I say I'm working with him now on some shows, but it's, it's we have an absolute blast of the time. I mean, what is it, people, some people, what makes me really sort of upset me, some people slag him off online. He's the nicest person in the world to work with. He's really kind and very, very passionate about motorcycling. And we have just, we have just such a laugh on the BSA Bantam or Triumph Tiger Cup. I mean, I mean, you might have seen the wheelie I pulled on the Triumph Tiger Cup. Which, <laughs> not my finest hour, but we had such a laugh making that sequence. It's, it's, it's a bit of a release from being in the garage. Yeah, I bet. You know, it's, it's really, really good. So. You spend so much time, of course, in your workshop, in your garage, making things and engineering. You know what? Are you married? Well, I'm married. Yeah, to Tracy. She's nice. She's the overseer. She, I see her all the time. <laughs> we have tea breaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my house, the garage is just off the kitchen. So if I'm pottering around in the garage, what's wrong with that? It's not, but you'd be in the drawing room, I suppose, couldn't you? With your pipe reading a paper. And what does your lovely wife think of all of this? No, she, she's not really too much into motorcycles, but she sees, she sees the attraction. She comes out on the back. She, really? She's been on the flying nearly old once, only once, never again. <laughs> <laughs> but she loves the H1s and the H2s coming out of those, that's quite nice. I, can, I tried to get her to come here today, but the trouble is it's a long way and it's, it's a bit of a hustle and bustle really, isn't it? So what? In your, your own mind, well, no, first of all, what has been your toughest creation? Everyone says that to me. It's quite a lot, quite, especially online, I get that all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really hard to say because obviously you're a very clever. The, the RC374, that was a, that was, I made that just for a challenge to myself because I thought, can I make a plausible six cylinder Honda that sounds like a six cylinder Honda? And I went out and bought some Yamaha engines to start with because Honda engines are too expensive. You know, the MC22 is at two grand because all the trolley racers nick them for their production bikes, don't they? And their replicas. So I thought, so I got these engines, started to them up. I thought, my God, this is going to be really difficult. I don't really know how I'm going to start with a crank. So I got, bought a picture book off of eBay for making models, not making real bikes. And from that, I managed to paste it all together. So I, so I made the crank from scratch out of raw materials. Copying, just, just from pictures? From pictures, copying the Honda design. I use Kawasaki KX60 connecting rods and big end bearings, Yamaha SRT50 pistons, and then everything else is all handmade. And I built the whole thing, and then I had to make a frame, and then fair, I'd never beaten an aluminium fairing before, that was my first attempt, and an aluminium tank, and all the teak welding. But I thought, I'd just see the vision of it being finished and just complete it, and never give up. You, you know, that, from that, with, with the fuel tank being your first time, how old? Oh, two days. <laughs> fairing was a day. From scratch, start, starting at seven in the morning, by half past eight at night, I'd finished fairing. So you'd never done this before. How did you kind of learn? YouTube. It's not with YouTube and looking yeah. at clips. I actually spoke to a guy at the April show the year before, and he was panel beater. And he goes, "Oh, just get a bit of metal, whack it harder. It looked really crap." And so just keep hitting and hitting and hitting. The dents would get horrible. Eventually, they start to smooth out. Then you keep hitting them, hitting them, hitting them, and turn it over, keep hitting. Eventually, they disappear without using English wheels. So it's just a hammer and a bit of wood, an old tree trunk. It's that's why I use, I'll be an old tree trunk. <laughs> uh, you know, and the alley, obviously, to make the, the fuel tank and, and the fairing. So, you buy a sheet of aluminium, uh, 8x4 sheet of uh, 1015 grade, semi hard aluminium, it's about 30 quid. Cut it with tin snips. 1.6 mil thick. Amazing. So, that was your toughest one. 
what was the most rewarding for you? Well, I don't go back, going back to the toughest one still. I mean, if every bike I've made has had its problems. The Viper V10. I went on eBay, I bought a Viper engine, it weighs 780 pounds, that's just the engine. That's, that's, that's the weight of more than a pan-European, just the engine. I put it up on bricks in my garage, I've got to make something that's safe, I can use it on the road, ride it, I can go 207 miles an hour at half throttle and it's not going to blow up, and all the systems have got to work. So you sort of reverse engineer back from the, the vision of this bike to each component and start making. That was one altitude of magnitude difficult. And you, the RC374, everything's so small. I'm working with a watch, just like little tiny gears and stuff. It's all running around at 18, 20,000 RPM. That was really hard. The Velocet V Twin, I tried to make it look like it was a proper bike from the 30s, which meant it's just the attention to detail, which really, that, that can be quite draining as well. I mean, the two strokes are easy now. I don't, I tend not to do those anymore because they are really, really simple to do. So I don't do those. Easy. You just said there, obviously, uh, the big one, 200, 200 miles per hour at half throttle. Uh, we, we took it to Brunton Thorpe with Bruce Dunn, and it's the first I can use see yeah, yeah, I know Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. We went down, the first run we did, I think I, I took it up to 196 on my first or second run. Come back in, can't really say what I was feeling, not with a microphone, but I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I needed to go and change, basically. It was, it was quite, 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 it doesn't stop pulling. And I said to Bruce, be careful, you can't roll the throttle off because the torque from the engine is pulling you back so hard you can't roll off 500 bhp and 550 pounds foot of torque with one gear. So he sort of smiled and got on it. He came back in, he was shaking like this. He goes, you can't just shut off. He goes, I only got to half throttle. I turned it half. He goes, 207.101. I guess that'll do, we'll just leave it at that. That's no fairing and eight hanging I was just going to say, it's not like you know you get sat behind a bubble no. and, and out of obviously the, no. the wind and everything goes with it. Because Brundendorp is a two is miles. a two mile long yeah. straight, fabulous, you know, slightly downhill. However, there's a lot of wind there and a lot of aggravation. And, yeah, you know, and tunnel vision that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. After about 195, everyone that goes, oh, my bike does 200, it doesn't go 200. Our one's blades, they don't go 200. Because after about 180, 185, you get this tunnel vision and everything starts to shake. And, you, and it comes down the faster you go to a small dot like that. And it's, it was, it, I want a, not on a TT, but I want a straight road. And then the finishing, all the trees in the future seem to be here like that. But I know they're not, but they felt like they were there. And that all happens at about 195. That's why I backed off. Bruce said, you've got to just drive through that. So I let him get on with that. But I'm thinking about centrifugal force of the tyre at 3,250 RPM, my rear wheel. And I'm thinking, well, in my mind, all these maths going, the weight of the tyre and everything, it's thousands of kilograms. But anyway, it survived. It's funny how people think of different things at high speed, and uh, that's the last thing that will be on my mind. Yeah, it's exactly the chain. The, the amount of force required to pull the chain back around the sprocket at that speed is thousands of pounds. You're talking about half a tonne of force. It pulls, the pull on the chain's one and a half tonnes from the engine. You know, it's, it's... So, so from that side, how, how do you kind of work out what size chain and, and what to use to I, keep the bike safe to run as well as, you know, uh, in one piece? I bought the biggest, strongest chain I could buy, which is an EK drag race. It's weighted at 1,000 horsepower. And I've got 500, so that's a safety factor. But I change it three times a year. If I do about 1,500 to 2,000 miles on the bike a year, then I change the chain three times. If I'm doing a speed event, Elvington has a new chain. So obviously, 
we're talking about Brunson's up with this machine and of course you know at half pace it have been just a 200, 207 that Bruce Bruce managed down the straight but you use this bike every day yeah in the summer I'm out most weeks go, go all around the country lanes I've been Prescott Hill climb been around the Isle of Man on it on the TT circuit that's a tight little course yeah it's, um, it's Prescott's really tight the hairpin up in the trees my trick on that to go into it at 65 shut the front off coast just use momentum to go around and then power out. You can't drive around it. But I've been up there on the FM. I took, I took Zeph Eisenberg on the back of my FM round Prescott last year, which was good fun. So, but It might be good for on the front, but not on the back. Yeah, what he said to me was, if you went around the corner, and I ain't got to the corner yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, for you, is, is racing a passion or is it purely the engineering side? I used to race motocross and enduro when I was younger. But um, not only at club level, I was more proficient in enduros where it's longer distance. But it's, it's, I've never done a track race. I've done, I've done one track day training there at Cadwell Park. That's what I've done in my life. What was that on? Uh, a Yamaha SLR 400RI. <coughs> 1993, I think it was. Yeah, it would have been. That was the, I did the same, the same year. That's what kicked me off racing, yeah. He, he said I was an efficient wet weather rider. That was on my <laughs> I mean, I was slow, I think. Good <laughs> <laughs> at training. The same. Say he's a, he's a proficient wet weather rider. Yeah. <laughs> so what's on the workbench at the moment? Well, another balancer engine I've locked up. B-twins. I'm making. I always try and make two. Oh really? Of, of every everyone. Yeah, it's more plausible than the original bike. Some guys, oh, I've got one of those. It's still quite cool. And yes, it's 100 B-twin. There's four of those. One of them's in the Barber Museum in America, and I've got two. And there's another one that I sold to somebody. And just about all the bikes I made, apart from the big ones, there's more than one of each. So, you know, all of these machines you have, is, is, this, is this your main income or is it purely a passion? Well, I was lucky enough to take my early retirement at 50, which was um, 2011. And I do, obviously I work with Henry now, and I write for Morgan's, and I get my pension. <laughs> so, so that's it, that's my life really, and I'm fiddling the bikes most of the time. So of course, you know, most weeks you're writing your column for the classic Maison yeah, I mean, mechanics. I love doing that. And of, of course, is that just about your machines or just in general with anything well, that floats your boat? The column's about my bikes normally. And I've just started, there's another feature I'm starting to do for the next month or two, which is more general bikes. But um, I prefer to write about my bikes, really, my antics. I get, I've got lots of stories to tell. It's, 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 I have to slow myself down when I'm writing it. Twelve hundred words max. Twelve hundred words max. So it's really hard to sort of stop. And it has to go to the next month. So, looking into the future, um, any weird and wonderful creations you're looking at getting on with? I've got to raise the ante, haven't I? I think because there's so many people. There's a lovely Suzuki uh, four here, thousand four. Someone's made. It's not quite in the middle, but it's a very good job. But there's a lot of people doing two strokes now. So I need to I need to sort of up the ante and try and think of something a bit more spectacular now to make it as good. You know, it it amazes me basically how people like you think anyway uh, and come up with the creations. But when you're thinking of things, do you are you thinking of something that's faster than the big milliard bike or you know the fly mini, or are you always just looking at different concepts and something that's going to challenge you more? It's difficult here. I have to make a factory bike. Yeah. Even the Viper, even though it's, that's as close as I could get to it looking like a factory bike. Yeah, yeah. I can't make a special. If, it, if it's going to look like a special, I won't make it. So I'm just thinking, I'm always looking, I'm looking at bikes. I'm going to do the Bellasar. I sat here last year and I spoke to Ray Thurston on the Bellasar stand. 
I just sort of glibly said, that'd make a good beach win, wouldn't it? I said, oh, I've got one at home, perhaps that's what I'll do. I went straight home, got straight on the case, hand cases, cutting them the next day, and made the beach win. It's just, it's just that click of inspiration, but it's got to look like it's a factory bike, as close as possible, and work like a factory bike with all the proper you know, indicators it was needed and stuff. You know? So you, an idea springs into to your head. Yeah. Is eBay your favourite place? Oh, Is that yeah. your main source of? It's, it's quite. Well, I, I use DK motorcycles a lot for parts, yeah. with jab stuff. So I know Pete up there. I just ring him up, and he just has a route around for me. Like those SLR engines. Yeah, I got a couple somewhere. The next day, they're on the drive on a pallet. Going to be yeah, four hundred quid. I guess that's great. You know, so, so that was the um, RC project. You know, well, I'm not inspired at the moment. I've got a little bike to make with Henry, which will be interesting. But um, that's just an easy, making a standard bike is an easy job. You know? But I'll have to try and think of something really, really cool to make. Little, I like little bikes as well. So maybe something little. They're your favourite, the small capacity. I, I think it's nice to ride a small bike fast and a big bike small. Right, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. My little 354 is a delight. You can go out and you can scream it around the lanes. You're doing 70. Whereas if you go out on the 500 LC, you're struggling to keep it below 90. You're going to get nicked or crash, aren't you? It's not good. So, locally, are you friendly with the police? I am actually, yeah. I don't, I, do you know what? I'll tell you something. I've never been stopped once on any of my bikes by the police. Right back, the last time I got stopped by the police, I was 15 on my mini engine Bantam. I always ride respectfully in town, keep the noise down, make loads of noise in the country. No, exactly, yeah. And what about, you know, we spoke earlier, you know, obviously uh, with, with the DVLA and stuff, which, uh, which is always aggro, whether you're just taxing your flipping car. However, what about insurance? The insurance, insurance is amazingly easy. We, we should Carol Nash insure most of my bikes. And they're great. You just bring them up, tell them what you've got to do. Adrian Flux for the really modified stuff. Yeah. And, they're, and they're superb. I literally, the Viper and the FM is like, I think it's 280 quid a year. No way. For both of them, fully comp. Yeah, it's a, it's a no brainer. And they specifically insure really, really, really modified vehicles. One off, one off things. And, and yeah. there's no, obviously, uh, you know, there's there's no penalties on there for anything else or no, or no restriction. No, just, I've, I've got a limit. I've got um, five thousand mile a year limit on it. I think. Just yeah. keep it quite, but I've done nearly ten thousand on the bike since nine, two thousand and nine. So, so that's only one thousand a year average, isn't it? So it's um, I can. It's probably when you've got fourteen bikes, it's hard to put a thousand miles on every one in a year. That's right. Yeah. It's really hard. So I, I, every day I try and ride a different bike. Every day. If, I, if, I, if during the summer I do an 80 mile commute and I try and ride a different bike, I even took the SS100 a couple of times on the 80 mile commute. How many miles a year do you do riding? Probably just under 10,000. Yeah. Can't yeah. yeah. in the garage, that's the trouble. Exactly. <laughs> Has anybody else got any, uh, got any questions for Alan? Fancy doing a turbo, a turbine bike. You don't imagine doing a gas turbine bike, and it no, won't be a standard type of bike. I'll leave that to Zeph Eisenberg, he's, he's my mate, he's, he's the one for gas turbines. Yeah. So, like, you got, have you really got to know what you're doing? Because yeah. you've, you've got no horsepower, and in a microsecond later, you've got 500 <laughs> horsepower, and then you've got a 10 second lag before you shut off to reduce yeah. the power. Yeah. I, was, I was actually in America with Jay Leno, yeah. and the Rock Store, basically the Rock Store, and he came up on his YTK turbine, and he said to me, I shut off a quarter of a mile ago. <laughs> to stop. Uh, yes, uh, to shut uh, off at the bottom of the canyon and the engine continues to drive you up to yeah. the rock store. They got a panic brake when you pull in 
if you pull that in, we have turbine will overspeed and seize up. So no, I want to make it a turbine bike. No, they smell nice in these things though. He runs it on diesel, just yeah. ordinary pump diesel. Yeah. We've, got, we've got modern turbines for flying model aircraft. Oh right, yeah. No, I, I won't, I, it doesn't really float my boat really. Piston engine really. It's, they don't yeah, like yeah. rotary engines. We've got six bikes, so yeah. Yeah. Maybe that is it. <laughs> that's another quote. You've got to, you've got to know what you're doing. You have to. You really, really do need to. That's a serious business here. Thanks for listening, and we'll uh, see you all later. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the More Bikes podcast. Remember to visit morebikes.co.uk for more news, reviews, and bike tests. Thank you for listening.